Okay, so this morning I'm going to need to know that you are actually ready for the word. And let me tell you what that means. That's not um, an exciting conversation or um, a saying that's exciting. Rather, that's actually saying, do you have faith that you can take in what God is saying? And just to help you this morning, I'll say this to you that if I'm saying anything to you or if the Holy Spirit is saying anything to us, it's going to be much deeper than it is at face value. You know, for example, when we were using examples like Esau and scripture calling him a fornicator. A person that does not, because remember this, as I explained what I was just about to say about Esau. Remember, the truth with life is that you can only know or you can only have a manifestation of God in your life in the direct proportion to how much you seek him. You can only have a certain response from God depending on how far you go with God. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Are you sure you're ready for the word today, yeah? So when I'm saying these things, going back to the example of Esau, Esau was a man that was first called Esau as we know. Then they saw that he looked as if he had a hairy garment. Then he was, his skin tone was, def was actually um, described as red, which is, listen to me, which according to logic and man, there was nothing wrong with it. In fact, a baby born with red skin shows that it's healthy. So you're going to follow me today. It actually shows how healthy the child is. But that's not even where I want to go to today. He was called Esau. Esau became a skillful hunter. He became a man of the open field. A man whose eyes were open to absolutely everything. A man without restraint. This man was trying to become something in the wrong way. So let me say something to you because I'm going to go I'm going to have to be very proverbial this morning very and that's why I'm starting like this because I will try to repeat and repeat things until your ears and your eyes open and your ears are able to hear but Esau was trying to be successful please take note on what I'm saying to you that the Bible was not given to us for us to have religious talks in a church yeah and how do we know that the law yeah as an image or a shadow of what god was trying to bring or say to his people was given before there was a temple built it was given in fact it was out of the words that temples were built okay so if you don't know history temples for example and i'm not going to go into this these are structures built to represent something divine or to call a nation to something that they are all patriotic to. That's why you can see that religion also sometimes or most times coincide with culture. You would see a person of a certain demographic 
having a certain type of religion. Yeah? Talk to me, even those of you that are tuned in this morning. Because again, it's I don't want to say it will be a struggle, but my struggle will be, are you getting what I'm saying this morning? So that's why I'm starting like this. Because I told you I want to speak about Adam and Eve, right? Cool. So what I want you to understand is that, so let me just go back to Esau. So Esau, red man, hairy man, and he wants to go out and him becoming a skillful hunter was in hope that he would achieve something in life. So before you look at Esau as a terrible guy, I want you to know, like I said to you yesterday, and I'll do a quick feedback or, or recap on yesterday, but before you look at Esau as a horrible guy, I want you to know that scripture was written for our sake. <laughs> scripture was actually written for you and me. No, it was not a gossip book that we will look into the life of the Esau and from here in ignorance be calling him the great fornicator. Now, is that true? Yes. But everything written was actually written in mind because of us. Meaning that before you look at Esau and insult him, know that in God's mind, he is used to describe men. So what does Esau look like in today's world? The man trying everything in order to be successful. Did you hear what I've just said to you? Esau became a skillful hunter. He developed skills out in the field. He was able to bring back game. He was a man that said, look, I've developed this, developed that, developed this in order to be able to bring some kind of reward home. Esau is no different from the man who has labored and labored in work and has come back tired. And they cannot, you see them, they are able to give up their birthright because they will rather look to satisfaction. They will actually find because of the numerable um, um, stresses that I've encountered in a day, I would rather look for some, some kind of satisfaction on, at the end of the day. That's Esau. He's no different from the working man. He's no different from the man that is trying to become. Please listen to my emphasis this morning. He's no different from the man that is trying to become. But you see, success was not something that the world looks for. Success is not something that is just unique to the world. God wants you to develop. Okay, so go to 1 Timothy. This is actually not where I'm going at all today, but this is a meditational scripture. I have, med I have scriptures that I meditate on. Um, this is a scripture I want to give you because I me mentioned the word development. Um, again, it's not even part of this word, meaning that you can take it or not, but I'm telling you this is one of the things that I look to. 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. I want you to read it in the, in the Amplified, maybe. I think it's Amplified. First Timothy 4, verse 16. I, I, go on. She's reading it wrong, isn't it? She started wrong, right? First Timothy 4, verse 16. Are you there? Of course. Go on. 
Okay, read this again. Read this again. Verse 16, what does it say? This is an instruction that the Holy Spirit gave me. You know, you, I hope you do. We can't hear the Bible reader. Okay. So I'll wait. I'm not going to rush this. I'll wait to make sure everything's working. Oh, you guys, you guys. Okay, let's read this. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 once more. Go on. Pay close attention to yourself. Concentrate on your personal development. Yeah. And to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Hold to them. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Okay, so first of all, did you hear that? Were you able to hear from Pastor Abby? So I can move swiftly today. Yeah. Let me just know I'm not going to rush this at all because God forbid that I'll get into it and then you tell me you can't hear anything. So, yes, sir. Okay, cool. So why did I give you this scripture? This is, like I said, has nothing to do with the word today, but it's a meditational scripture. The Bible says, contrary to what we believe as religious beings, the Bible first says to us, pay close attention to you. You know, even the gifts of God have been, has been um, used in a way to pay close attention to others. A preacher can even get to a place whereby God's instruction to him was not pay close attention to others, pay close attention to you. Do you know why? It says pay close attention to yourself, concentrate on your personal development and to your teaching you will know that this translation or another translation will say take heed to yourself and to the doctrine it says persevere in these things do you know what persevere means continue hold to them for as you do this what is the this that you do you are concentrating you are paying close attention to you as nana and you're concentrating and paying attention to the doctrine, the teaching. Because the Bible says, as you pay close attention to the doctrine and to your personal development, you will ensure salvation. You will save both yourself and the hearers. So I realized a distraction of growth or a distraction of religion. Let me say religion, yeah? A distraction of your commitment to God can be that you can be carried away by everybody else, the person that is doing and the person not doing. And you think that your total focus on that person is what's going to save them. No, it's going to be your development and your ability to take heed to the teaching. So I realized naturally the work grows in nation family as PT just continues to develop. The more he pays close attention to what he's saying, and the more that he's paying attention to his development, naturally, there's something in me that will click and will bring me into the ark where I can be saved. So this was a by comment today. I felt I needed to share that with some people that wants to hear it. But going back to what I was saying now, in regards to Esau now, Esau was a man of the open field. I don't want you to ever forget that so that you don't allow 
the story of Jacob and Esau to be a story of a past. It's a description of who men are. Now, what was the issue that we find? Jacob was a man that was actually restrained. In your youth, you are already showing examples of Esau because you are people yet to discover. You are people looking for many things. But God gave us a law, a word, to apprehend Esau in order for Jacob to be seen. And he says to you and I, remember the Lord in the days of your youth. He says in another place that it is good for you to bear the yoke whilst you are young. What is he doing here? He's restraining the life of Esau or the life. Because remember that P.T. said in every man there's two. Will you take note of what I've just said to you, yeah? Because I'm going somewhere today. In every man, in Apostle Obi, there is two. Now, what God has to do, if God wants to bless you, he forces you, in quote, to stay at home. So that your life is not too exposed before you know who you are. So that you do not get caught up because, you see, the thing about the open um, field is that you cannot unsee what you have seen. Have you ever, let me tell you something. Yesterday I was looking, again, please, that's why I started a bit earlier. So it, whatever you have to do to stay awake and to stay attentive, please do it, please. Because what I'm speaking to you is going to be very proverbial. And that's the, as simple as I'm able to understand it right now. Maybe as we grow, we'll understand it a bit more. But I'll do everything to make it as clear as possible. Yesterday, uh, uh, we was talking about Marvel. And in the Marvel, we're looking at all the characters. And I, I learned yesterday that there's the comics of Marvel and then there's the movies. And the movies does not exactly go um, in order of the comics. So if you're going, so they said to me, I think Kelvin and Cole said to me, that if you knew the comics, you would definitely know, in quote, where the movies were going. So through that, I decided to look at the different characters of um, the Marvel, of Marvel, the different characters. And I won't go too much into it, yeah, only because what I'm trying to say, I will actually negate that if I say it fully but they showed a certain character for those that were there with me they showed a certain character and they completely belittled the sovereignty of such character taking no respect to certain people's religion so someone can grow up believing in for example Allah or um, believing in whoever, whatever. And that cartoon has made something that is someone's life look like something that is worth insulting. Now, why did I bring that up? Now, when I went to go and pray yesterday, I'm praying, but guess what is fighting? The things that I've read and seen. The things that I've read and seen are now fighting at the time when I'm trying to communicate. 
I can't go as far as that so that I don't sow the wrong seed into you. But what I'm trying to show you is God is trying to tell you that the way of Esau, a man exposed to everything. You see that man, he does not know what to not read and what to read. He does not know what to not say and what to say. Anything is everything. I said of Esau yesterday that Esau is a man that gives his strength to absolutely everything. They have a family issue. Now, you see what I'm saying to you? I've realized that where God is bringing some of us, and I have to say some of us because I believe that I'm not the only one in this position, but I also know 100% that not everyone can have this level of devotion. But I've realized that what God is doing to some people is there are some people that it doesn't matter. Family, situations, whatever you want to quote, they have to give their strength to that thing. I want you to know something about Esau. As much as God hated Esau, in respect to what God wanted to do, I want you to know that Esau was very blessed. Esau amounted great wealth. Esau became so big that he became Edom, a nation. Again, what I said to you that an Akin is the name of the person. But an Akin that encounters God will reveal a nation. Jacob was a person. Israel was a nation. So when you look at Esau, who became Edom, he became a whole nation. People actually followed his characteristic, his mindset, his nature. He became wealthy. He amounted to be very, extremely great. So much so that when Jacob tried to buy him with his wealth, when Jacob tried to buy his forgiveness with his wealth, he rejected it. He didn't need it. A poor man would have taken it. Oh God, are you sure you're listening to what I'm saying to you today? A poor man would have taken whatever Jacob would have given him in order to appease him. Because he does not have, but Esau had. Esau actually had. So why am I starting with this? Because Esau and Jacob is still not my topic today. But what I want you to know from what I've stressed the last few minutes is this. That Esau... And Jacob's story is a proverb to describe men. And how easy it is for a man to become Esau. You see, Esau, he wins the love of certain people who seems to have authority and power. Jacob was not loved by Isaac. Isaac was the one that was going to change the life, was going to give him, was going to be the one that would give sound or good reputation to somebody. You see today, the man of the open field, the man that dwells on social media, they are looking for people that will give them reputation. If they will have some kind of blessing, if they will look like somebody, they're going, to be a some, they're going to be people who's looking at what does people think of me. But so that I don't make this longer than it already will be, 
I want to remind you of some of the things that we went through yesterday as we look into the story of Adam and Eve because it's very, very important. Pastor Toby has often said to us that you see the story of Adam and Eve or the book of Genesis, you can find everything about your faith, about this faith, about how we ought to be in that scripture. What I want you to always, remi- always remember was the comment I made to you last week. Because if you don't hear this, you won't understand what I'm about to say to you. That when Genesis 1, as we, we will read in a moment, as Genesis 1 tells us that it took six days for God to make the world and then the seventh he created for rest. Remember that I said to you that that was the revelation of Moses. God is not in any way restricted to time. He's not bound to time. It's not that it takes me a year to do this. What can take man a hundred of years can take God not even a second because he's not bound to time. I need you to understand that because those are the things that will give you confidence when you as someone who is bound to time begin to doubt God's provision for your life because God is not bound to what you're bound to. Meaning, If God wants, let's use the example that we are always facing. If God wants, there can be houses right now. As in, after I speak, God can make it that houses are available as soon as I'm done. So what will emphasize my faith or what will strengthen my faith in God? The moment I adopt God's mind for things. You see the reason why you don't have. Is because you still have your own mind for things. But later Paul would say, for we have the mind of Christ. That's something you have to get to. So then you will not be in any way insecure of what is happening around you because there's a God not bound by time. So with regards of Moses, Moses was a man bound to time. So he can only describe creation according to days as he knows it. He can only describe creation. He saw evening come. And based on what he's already exposed to, he said that measures to a day. Now, why am I saying that to you? Notice that when Genesis 2 starts, there's no recollection. There's no measurement of time again. We're going to read it in a moment. You will ask yourself, at what point did God take the man and put him in the garden? At what point, how long after he put the man in the garden, did he create Eve? No, not Eve, sorry. Did he create the woman? At what point did they grow to a place? Let me say that so I don't give certain things away. Did they grow to a place that the conversation of Satan became more prevalent and more clear. There's no record of time. There's no record of time, sorry. So why am I saying this to you? It must then be that certain things that are in scripture are very much proverbial. A person that tries to understand according to their own mind will miss what God is trying to say. The Bible says that it's not by what you know you understand. It says it's by faith we understand. So faith will let us know that Eve actually was not a bad person. 
This is what I'm about to show you today, that Eve is not a bad person. Ultimately, what am I speaking to you about? I, I can't give this a title because once I start giving titles before we finish the word, I will actually stunt what I'm trying to say to you. But the theme still remains to be intimacy. But we will get there. So before I even get there, so that you can understand where we are as a family COD. So let me know that you're still on with me. So that I may know and so that you may know that we are all together. Let me do some kind of feedback on yesterday. Yesterday we went into the story of Moses, right? We went into the story of Moses. We saw the journey or the trajectory, in quotes, of the man that God wants to send. God is not going to send a Marian to the world without her first coming to him. Because there has to be an appointment that you meet. In this appointment, what would then happen? An agreement will be established. As this agreement is established, what would then happen is that God will put in you, in us, a heart full of his words. This heart, you know, the Bible says that well, I'll bring you, um, it will be the tablets. And on the tablets are the writings of God. This is, take note of this as well, because I told you to take note yesterday. This is the work of God. <laughs> The tablets, and Pastor Toby spoke to us about this when he was telling us to come up to the mountains. When he said chisel out, I want you to know that chisel out was after man broke what God first created. Because the tablets with the writings of God was uniquely Stated in scripture as the work of God. This was not the work of Adam. Did you hear what I've just said to you? This was not the work of Adam. Yeah, because you think I meant to say the work of Moses. This was not the work of Adam. This was not the work of the man. This was the work of God. And what God was showing us was that when God wants to establish these, he wants to give us the tablets. So I said the heart, but it's actually the heart and the mind. So that it can go with the covenant that he said that he will establish. That I will write my laws on their hearts and on their minds. And they will not need anybody else to tell them know the Lord for they will all know him. You see the thing about knowing. It cannot be seen a form. Because you can see the form of something doesn't mean that you know it. From afar, I can see the form of a man. It's when I get closer, I will know who that man is. Oh God, are you following what I'm saying to you? So the Bible actually says that in order for you to know me, I'm going to have to install in you a heart and a mind that is filled with my words. So yesterday the Holy Spirit began to say to us that before I send you out there, I need to call you to myself. We saw this mirrored in Christ. That Christ picked the men that he wanted to send out. And he said, don't follow me to the mountain. I will be at the mountain. If you really want to be the person, if you believe that there's a call over you to go out into the world as a witness, because that's the agreement. That you're not going there to be famous like the world. 
because they realized that that was empty. So you see people who became mighty, billionaires, millionaires, and you realize something that another thing I want you to take note of today is that you realize that they were alone. They get to a height. They don't have a community no more. Because this was not the agreement. They had not established an agreement. So they realized that their pursuit of faith, their pursuit of greatness was actually empty. Do not work for food that spoils. Do not work for something that you would see at the end is actually empty, has no result. So these men went forward into pursuing, you know, we hear the things like the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of prosperity. I want you to remember that as much as we know that our destiny will include great prosperity, prosperity is not something that we look for. Let me say this again. Because David actually says, I will seek your prosperity. But you see, I love that I used to quote that as an immature person. Why was he um, prosperous? Why did he prosper? Because what he was seeking was God's prosperity you know when I taught you things like why did Daniel prosper in Babylon because whenever he went to his room he will look towards the prosperity of Jerusalem he was looking for the good the development the gaining grounds of God's territory on earth so the Bible says that those because if we were to go and read where the Bible begins to say godliness with contentment is great gain. You would see later into that scripture that the Bible will say that those who are pursuing riches pierce themselves. Uh, they, they afflict, is self-harm when they begin to pursue something that is supposed to be under their feet. That prosperity, wealth, material things are meant to be things given to your power should you be in the right position with God. You cannot be outside of the position that you're meant to be. You're meant to be seated in Christ next to the Father. If you're not there, your pursuit of these things will pierce you. They will draw you further and further away from God rather than bringing you closer. The person can say, I am trying to gain this in order to give it doesn't work like that there are principles that form the universe there are principles that form the man the woman and you cannot go outside of those principles to achieve another principle it doesn't work so yesterday we saw that what god was doing is that he is calling us there's a new conversation and he's calling the COD family, the nation family, to a place where he will begin to say, remember what he said that maybe we should go there. Um, Genesis chapter 24, Exodus chapter 24, first of all. Let's just read that quickly, quickly, 24. Um, where do I want you to start from? Just so that you don't, see, uh, it's not me just saying stuff. Read from verse 9. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, yeah. and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. They saw the God of Israel, yeah? And what happened? I love this. Go on. Under his feet was something like a pavement. Someone would say, with all of these things you're saying, how do I practicalize this? I learned something with Pastor Toby. I've said this to you before. The duty of New Testament preachers is that they explain to derive a point. 
if they give you a point without explanation, you lose out on the faith of that point. So when you see Stephen, Stephen was one of the best preachers that ever existed. But when you see Stephen, in the face of persecution, he started from the days of Abraham. You ask him, just go straight to the point. He couldn't because that is doing a work in you. Let me tell you why. The Bible says, carry on reading so that you will understand certain things. Go on Under quick. his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli. Yeah. As bright blue as the sky. Okay. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders. He didn't the raise Israelites. his hand against the leaders. Verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, yeah. come up to me on the mountain and stay here. You see when God wants to speak to you, he wants you to know, he wants you to come with a mindset that you're not rushing. It's your busyness of your mind, Esau's function, that makes you feel like I need to be out and about. But God says to Moses, you see with your life, there's not much going on. It's just me and you. I was talking to Pastor Ashley, walking with her yesterday, and I said, I realized that if things will prosper in, let's say, the COD family, it's not going to be everyone in COD having to do everything. The first responsibility is me as the leader. I hope you take these notes as people that I've been saying since 2019 that you are all leaders. Because when your church grows, your church may look like a business. Your church may look like a, a, a group. Uh, it can be whatever. When it grows, you will know how leaders ought to behave. You will know the demand of leaders, of shepherds, contrary to what you have been taught because many antichrists have gone into the world. They came from among you, but they were not part of you. That's why they left. What do I mean by that? They will have a sense of truth in what they say, but it's not truth. It says, come up to me on the mountain and stay. It says, stay here. So this is the reason why we go into time into the word, because you have to understand the process. You remember the story I told you where... Me and somebody else were with PT, and PT was saying, what is the fruit? What was the fruit that they ate? And the first person just said, it's this. And PT was like, no. And then I responded, and I said, I think it's the same thing, but this is why. And he said, that's correct. You would think, what does this mean? Remember that God emphasized that I don't want you to just know my signs. He wants you to know his ways. His ways, is, his ways include things like why he does what he does. How he got there. Why it is necessary. We don't hear that Joseph was just a believer in scripture who was able to feed nations. You had to see his whole journey. You had to see what was necessary. Because even the way is a revelation to another generation. We speak of his way and we agree or we find some kind of similarity between ourselves and Joseph so that we may even know where we're going. So are you sure you're ready to hear what I have to say to you? Okay, so we see that God says if Adan is going to go out into the world, he will not be able to escape the process of coming to me. 
The battle of life, therefore, is that we live in a very busy and distracted world. To pull yourself out of busyness into where God is calling you to is a difficult challenge that not many are able to do. Before you have the chance to sit and stay on that mountain for a while, there will be the core of bills. There will be the core of, I as a lady, there are certain things that I need to have in order to appease me. There will be certain duties that I have to achieve. But the nature of the man who was the, the devotion of the man that leads nation, Moses, was that he carried a practice whereby he would take the tent out of the camp and set it outside of the camp. God is not going to share you and the people. It's not going to be that you're trying to hear what God has to say and you're scrolling through your phone because it's him sharing you and the people. It cannot work. You would see that when you were trying to press in with God, you would see that, yeah, you heard a bit. And it will almost look like God is speaking in parts because before he can finish saying what he's saying, a distraction came. The man that is going to lead is going to be a man that's made up their mind. That I may not seem like a likable person. Look at what they said of Moses later in verse in chapter 32. Don't go there. They would say, raise for us, make gods for us that will lead us for this fellow. <laughs> this man called Moses, we do not know what has become of him. Because the kind of shepherd they were looking for was one that was always in their face. But the efficacy, the ability to be able to bring potent word to the people was going to be exactly proportionate to how Moses would dedicate himself to God. Because God did not bring out a people to become busy. He brought out a people to himself. When God called you out of your life, your mindset was so that he can bring you to himself because it's at that place of appointment that you make the agreement that when you send me out, it doesn't matter if they try to make me king like Christ. You know, they tried to make him king and Christ will refuse it because the agreement he made with God was bringing back the world to him. If an IB grows into becoming something in the world, because ultimately where God wants to send his children is to the world because all creation is eagerly, eagerly waiting for the manifestations of the sons. It's not the church. God wants to send you out, Paris. But you see what happens is that he cannot, it's not that he don't want to. He cannot unless he knows that he has made an agreement with you. And you see, for that agreement to take place, it will take effort. For you to go to the mountain and it will take effort for you to stay there. So you see, there's been times when God was prompting you. There's times that you felt revival in your heart. There's times that you felt that you are hearing God. And guess what usually pulls you out of that dimension? Distractions. It can be from sin. It can be from just living a very complacent life. Because the destruction of a man that is high is complacency. 
Like PT said to us, complacency is what would destroy a man in his height because a man, a man coming from poverty will think that when I get to a certain height, I can then rest. No, you struggle from your mother's womb. You struggle to the day you die. That's why Paul would say, fight the good fight of faith. He was saying that even in his old ripe age, it wasn't a talk of his youth. People die in the fervency of God in their youth because the youth was the day of energy and zeal. It was the day of zest. It was a day of just energy. But you see, what happened is that as they grew, they lost that fight. They lost that passion. They became settled and complacent. The tool that destroys great men. So you see, God calls us to the mountain and he says, I want to make an agreement. Dan, can I send you to the world? And it's there. How does God do this? He keeps you at a height where you keep hearing the word. You're hearing the word. And what that word is doing is it's writing. It is God's hand writing his words in your mind and in your heart. If it's there, you will not ask to be sent to the world. You'll be sent. You will not go because the person, you see what marks a person that is sent. The, the mark of someone that is sent is that provision will be made for him. When people go into the world and they don't have, it's because they were not sent. God did not put, God did not create, um, what do you call this now? God did not employ that person. That person has not been put on payroll. <laughs> I can go around saying that I work for British Gas, but unless British Gas has employed me, I will not get any pay from them. I will, get, I will not get any resources or equipment that will allow me. I will have to pay for those things to do it. I will have to pay for a uniform and its equipment if I have not been recognized as one who is on their payroll. So God sends us out and he, it was from there that we started to see the life of David. That the place of appointment is not a physical mountain. That's why I said you have to hear me because a lot of the things is what I'm saying is proverbial. A mountain is a declaration of a place where many can't go. Many will not look at a sheep pen as something to honor. It will take extraordinary. It will have to take people who have an agenda in their heart to say that I will stay posturing until it leads me and do you know how they develop that attitude they are not posturing to be a king they are posturing because they love and as a result of that god says okay i can put you to this new level called kingship cod are you hearing what i'm saying to you so today i want to speak to you i wanted to go into something but i'll 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 avoid going there today, maybe tomorrow, maybe another day. But I want to speak to you about Adam and Eve, the man and the woman. What God was trying to do with them and why is that story so important to us? Have you ever read the scripture and thought to yourself, okay, what does this have to do with me? Because I've read it, I've heard it, and for me, it seems like nothing more than knowledge. It seems like there's nothing more to this story other than to know that there was the first man who was called Adam. 
and the first woman that was called Eve. But I want us to look at God's desire. I want us to know why God showed this revelation to Moses and why he thought of all things that could be documented, why it is important that you will know the genesis of your creation. Why is Eve so key to whoever you become? Why is Adam so key to study so that you can know the depths of who you are? So let's start with Genesis chapter 1 today. I want you to read, just read through. I've got three scriptures for you, but we'll take our time to break it down. So let's just start with what is beautifully stated as the beginning. Go on. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault and the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, everything that God has been creating, he says, I can see that this is good. God saw that it was good. God's perception on what was, was that it was good. Are you following? Carry on reading, go on. We'll read through the whole thing, go on. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day. Yeah. And the lesser light to govern the night. Okay. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. To govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing which the water teems, and that moves about in it, 
according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number mm. and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. The fifth day, yeah. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, or each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. In okay, so before we get to the prize or the crown of creation, everything that God created was good. Or let's just say it like this, as it's actually written, in God's eyes, it was good. The recreation of each thing was going to be according to its kind. Now God says, now there's going to be a different kind. So there's the kind for animals and creatures. But then God said, let us make man in our image. You know, the other day I spoke to you out of this scripture and I said, I, I kept laughing or I kept emphasizing that God created mankind in his own image. I kept repeating that, if you remember. But read verse 26. Let's get there gradually. Go on. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Okay. So God created mankind in his own image. So the conversation of creating mankind in his image is what preceded, is what came first before the actual creation. God thought about it. God spoke about it. Considered it. And he said, actually, to crown this creation, I cannot create without there being a reflection of me there. God did not sign a signature on the world. or We don't look in the heaven to see a signature saying, made by God. The reason why is because we are his signature. We are the sign of him. So God created in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You'll be thinking this is almost like a poetic way of saying that you created mankind. Read it once more, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. Yeah. In the image of God, he created them. In the image of God, he created them. Yeah. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Yeah. God blessed them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. As we know is the mandate. Remember who I've said to you that the first conversation that God or the interaction God will have with what he has created as his own image is the understanding that you must be one with me in order to increase. 
this being fruitful was never procreation. It was never meant to be zero down to sex. No. Listen to what I'm about to say to you because I said everything is proverbial. When he said be fruitful, the increase of them was not meant to be based on them sleeping with each other. Why do we know that? How he created man was with words. How Christ was made, a man that physically has body and walked on this earth, was also with words. But what happened when man, and this is me going ahead of myself, when man fell, they will have now a likeness of God. They will have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They will have to do in order to have rather than the highest version of them being speak it in order to have. You will see Pastor Toby now saying that he don't have to do what others do to get finances. He has been restored to a certain man. You know, if I wanted to divert a bit, and maybe I'll go into it tomorrow, is that it is possible for a man to lose his position. But if he has something, and I won't go into that today, but if he has something, he can be reinstated. But I won't go into that. The original man speaks what they want to see. The man of the curse has to work the ground. They have to do, they have to sweat in order to have anything. Why am I saying these things to you? Why does it feel? Because I don't want us to go into deep teachings. But it will sound deep because we have never sat down to actually look into scripture. So it sounds deep. But what I'm saying this to you is that every word you're hearing, God is trying to return you back to the man you were. Who was the man that you was? His image. You are God here on earth. You are called to rule. Because if you are his image, he says, now, remain intimate with me so that you can increase. So that you can fill the earth. So that you can be able to subdue it and then eventually rule, dominate. But that's going to be first. You must have been my image. And then you must be one with me. Then God said, verse 29, go on. Keep everything I've said to you in mind, go on. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Good morning, Bishop. Go on. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has a breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. You will take note that God said here, I give every. You know, every means to the exception of none, right? He says, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Do you know what? And it was so means. And it was established. Meaning that, in quote, it shouldn't have gone against. He should not have turned from it. Please, we're reading scripture together. He says, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. And every tree that has fruit with seed in it, is what I've given you. 
And he says, in case you don't understand what I mean, that I will give it to you. He says, they will be your, yours for food. <laughs> God, the great setup. The one that causes man to stumble according to what is in their heart. Let me say something to you in case you get wrong. God, God is bigger than our idea of what good and bad is. That's something I've learned. The moment we know that God can have a spirit from among him, go and deceive. Your ideal, you cannot crown God or you cannot describe God according to your limitation of mind. Why does God allow this to happen is the man that's trying to understand God within the limitations of their mind. No, God is much bigger than what we can call good and bad. That's why I kept emphasizing that when we saw his creation, it says, and God saw it was good. This was Moses' account. Moses didn't say, and it was good, meaning that he did not give agreement that what he saw was good. It was God's perception on things. Moses showed how we ought to be, that you only agree with what the Father agrees with. I don't have my opinion Again, why am I saying all of this? This is the measurement of Moses' time. He says, all of these things I've given you. And he says that God saw all that he had made and it was very, <laughs> it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Now let's go to chapter two and let's start this. Go on. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Yeah. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he had rested from all the work of creating that he had done. What was God's work? His speaking. God's work was his speaking. Now look at what Bible says in the account of Adam and Eve. Please read it as if you've never read it before, yeah? So that you can be free to see new things. As I'm speaking, what I'm believing God for is that even as you're following, you yourself, even the things I don't mention, you will see. Because at this point, you're saying to God that, God, there's still something to be taught. This is the account of the heavens and the earth. Go on. When they were created. Yeah. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. Mm. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. What's amazing is that why God do you bring in Esau if you tell us that from his mother's womb you hated him? You know, yesterday I said to you, that you can refuse to be Aaron and her. Because these are though, or these are they, who will be disposal for the real man. Read it as you've never read it before. You will notice that what God said is that I will not allow the earth to progress because I have not found the cursed man to till the earth. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. You see that work in the ground, it was an attribute given to the man that fell. Are you following me? 
God, why did you allow there to be an Esau if you've always going to if you're always going to hate him? PT taught us this long time ago that the reason why you can't get rid of your Esau is because your Esau is your instrument for separation. God cannot consecrate a people if they are everybody. Oh, you're not hearing me. God cannot say David is special if there's not somebody else to compare him with. God, if you knew that Saul was going to be a bad king and you showed us, you said this is the type of king that you have asked for and this is what he would do. God, why are you giving Saul? Because I want to show David. Are you sure you're listening to what I'm saying to you? I want to show you David. God said in chapter 1, this is why I said that the timings of it, you have to understand it by faith. You can't register it because we read everything. He said he created it all. And he said that everything was very good. And now he's rested. But now the Bible comes here and says, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. Yes, Esau was needed. Remember what PT said to us, that you can't get rid of the flesh because the flesh was what God gave. What you have to do is be strengthened in your inner man so that the younger, the spirit, can, be, can have mastery over Esau, the flesh. PT said something so beautiful here yeah, that made me think, and it's what's kind of instigated these thoughts, that no matter how far you go in the world in terms of blessings as billions and whatever, it is still only Esau. No. So it's not the spirit that makes you billions. It's the flesh. But what makes the flesh blessed is that it serves the spirit. Please, did you hear that on Sunday? Okay, so now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. Who would be the person that God can bring to work in the ground? Go on. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Yeah. And the man became a living being. God made who? A man. God did not make Adam. He made a man. He formed a man. From the dust of the ground, he made something out of nothing. He made what was nothing into something regarded as the most beautiful. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. I'm speaking about intimacy. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So if something that is dead, if a man that is growing up, let's say for instance, that this is somebody that does not have um, um, the right to be where they are. Or if there's somebody that's grown up, let's say, like the black community where poverty reigns as king. If a person is going to be made something out of nothing, guess what has to happen? That person must encounter intimacy. That person that will be made out of dust, poverty, will have to have been breathed into. He will have to encounter 
intimacy to really now live. Because yes, you are formed, but you are nothing. You see people in our community, they are nothing, made out of nothing. But if they're going to be something, they have to encounter, they must encounter God. They must be intimate with God. There's no other way. Now look at what the Bible then goes on to say, because I still need to get to where we talk about Eve. Now the God, now the Lord God planted a garden in the east. Yeah, go on. In Eden. Yeah. And there he put The question you should ask yourself was, did he plant it now or was it planted before? But carry on reading, go on. And there he put the man he had formed. Yeah. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Yeah. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. Please, so that you can follow me. Did I not say to you a long time ago, yeah, that God, if you did not intend for someone to eat, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, yeah? Why don't you hide the tree? If you're saying that this tree has to be made, yeah? Why don't you hide the tree? What is so interesting is that God who makes everything good, he says he made all kinds of tree grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. But he then says in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I won't spend time to explain this, but this was God's strategy for harvest. Let me explain what harvest is. Harvest is not abundance. Harvest is separation. Harvest is separation. What happens is that a certain event or a certain time will provoke the revelation of who each person is. Harvest was the time when Isaac said, bring game to me. Cook it for me and I will give the blessing. It was at that point that the word that separated Jacob and Esau in the womb was going to separate them. Harvest had come. No, are you listening to me? God put it in the middle to see what man will be drawn to. Harvest. Yeah, so there's a time in our life that God will give us what he wants us to have and what he knows we shouldn't have. But listen, all was made for food. No, you, you see, you're not following everything I'm saying. Do you remember that Genesis 1 says that all, everything will be, I have given to you. And I said, for us to understand what it means that all has been given to us, the Bible then went on to say that all will be for food. So listen, what made Adam see the knowledge, the tree of knowledge or the fruit that came out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil worth eating was the programming that God put in him that said that this is food. Let me give an example. You see right now, Pastor Enrique, okay, you're not in the room, so, okay, right now many of you are sitting down, Yeah. It doesn't matter how much Satan tempts you. You will never say that I'm going to eat this chair. Because it has not been put in you that that's food. So Satan can say, eat this. Because God actually said, hey, this is still food. What was God trying to do? Every first um, fruit is meant to be 
a guarantee of a coming harvest. Everything that God was doing here was to show you eventually Christ. Oh, God. Was to show you eventually who he's looking for. That Adam was made in a way that he could not help himself eventually. You see what I'm saying? It's still not my main point, but I'm going to prove that point here in this scripture. That there's this, the man that comes first, the man, the person that comes first is naturally destined to fall in so that God can show who comes next. Because there's a principle in life that the youngest or the oldest should serve the youngest. You know, when we used to see scriptures that the first will be last, we always used to think, what does that mean? Why would the first be last? There's a principle of life that God is trying to show us. Now, again, you'll still be asking, what does this have to do with me? This sounds like just knowledge. Please follow me on this journey. Because, again, I think God trapped Adam by putting what he knows was bad. God first put the desire to know that this is food. But then tells him, you must not eat from it. Let me tell you something. The things that you should be afraid of, yeah, are the things that are very accessible, but you know that you shouldn't do. Those are the things you usually trip on the most. The things you usually trip on the most are the things that you have access to that you're told not to do. Listen, if I told Nana not to do something, yeah, it's never because she looks at me when she gets to, the, to her room and says, who's that guy? I'm just going to do what I want to do. No. What happens is that the first man in her, because it's been made aware, will have no choice but to fall into it. Why is that there? Harvest also is God. You know, I said to you last week, Monday, not Monday that just passed, last week, I said to you that we're approaching the end of times. And the end of times can be an end of the age. What is God doing at an end of, what do you see synonymous to end of times according to scripture? Harvest. What is going to be your harvest, Paris? What's going to be my harvest? What's going to be your harvest, Akin? The day God separates the sinew from the real you. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river water in the garden flowed from Eden. Jump to verse 15, please. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Yeah. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any... In case, Adam, you did not see this tree. Let me tell you again, that is here. Let me tell you something. Everything around you, designed in you, yeah, is that because, how can I say this? Everything that God has set up around you is to first draw out the real you. Every single thing. Remember that Christ actually, or in the book, or maybe it was James, I can't remember who. It says, listen, don't say that God tempted you. The desire was already in you. What happens is that that desire was able to take you, it, 
it, it grew. And then when sin was full, it led to death. So what am I trying to show you? God says, in case. Because if God has to tell him a second time that you can eat from the fruits of the tree, you have to ask him, why? Did they not hear it when you said it in the first time? Because if you're saying that they did not hear it when you said be fruitful, increase, and all of these things, it means that even the mandate, they didn't hear. So there was no need to say it. Yeah, God was speaking to somebody. Now, why am I taking my time so that what seems deep is not? You are free to eat any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, yeah, you will certainly die. Death will be sure. When you eat from it, death will be sure. Now look at what goes on to say. Now look at what the Bible says. The Lord God said what? It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. You're going to come back to NIV, yeah? Read that in the Amplified, verse 18. What usually makes people miss God? You see, what makes... Okay, let me not go as far as God because God is like, you can't be um, um, accountable because there's no form to him that you can see. Do you know what makes people miss leadership? And I'm speaking from experience, my mistakes. Is that Pastor Toby can say something to me, but I hear it in my own limited understanding. So it's possible for PT to be saying everything I need to hear. But my limited understanding reads it a different way. And what happens when I have the lack of understanding? Either I won't be able to do it, or I would do something else. What am I trying to show you with this scripture? What is the problem about the Bible? Let's, let's be honest with ourselves. What's the problem with the Bible? That it has many translations, right? Okay. And what do I mean by that? Everyone will read what was said in their own language. But here's the problem. God never gave us English to understand God in English. The more you press in to know God, you will know the spirit of the word. What would that then do? It will lead you to all truth. Why was it so key that Christ gave the Holy Spirit? He says he will guide you to the truth. Guess what he said there? He then said that it's the Holy Spirit's duty to bring you to truth. Not what you read by your own understanding. Now, read this in the Amplifier because I need us to find a definition. We're going to go straight back to NIV, so I hope you're ready to put it straight back. Okay, Amplified. Now, now the Lord God said, it is not good, but beneficial. It but is not good. It's not beneficial. There will be no benefit here for man to be alone. I'm coming back here. For the man to be alone. So what would I do? I will make him a helper. Go on. One who balances him. A counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. You know, I spoke about the house of influence. Then the house of, of exchange. So let's talk about helpers. The house of helpers. I will make him a helper. 
one who what balances him. But I love, you, you see what we're about to see here? I want you to keep part of this. A counterpart. Do you understand what a counterpart is? Not a subordinate, but a complete reflection. One who can stand opposite to. One who is in another body. Who is suitable and complementary for him. Go back to NIV. The Lord God said, yeah. it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Yeah. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. Okay. He brought them to the man to see what he could name he would name them. Mm. And whatever the man called each living creature, that's what it was its name. Mm. So the man gave names to all the livestock. So the man's function at first was calling, speaking. He gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. We're going to come back to the scripture. I just need us to read through this. We're going to Mark 10 in a second. So the, Lord caused God, the Lord, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's rib and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the, from the rib. Not Eve, the woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man. He had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Look at what the man said. Go on. This is now bone of my bones. This is now bone of my bones. Yeah. And flesh of my flesh. Yeah. She, she shall be called woman. Yeah. For she was taken out of a man. The name given to her will be based on what I've experienced. I'm going to say something that may not make sense now. But we as the radical soldiers, when we saw the nation family, we knew that that was us. I warned you at the beginning of this word, it will be very proverbial and revelational, uh, revelational based. When we saw, imagine that when we were in our old church, people left the world and came to Christ through the, the vehicle called Youth Revival. And someone asked me yesterday, why didn't you tell this specific person to join your old church? I knew that that church, and this is not insulting in the church, I knew that that wasn't me. <laughs> no, are you sure you heard what I've just said to you? I knew it wasn't me. So the only thing we can see at that time was a certain church, and we told them to go there. But when we came to the nation family, it's like every other thing was interrupted. Because we knew that this was now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You know, I've just told you my whole point of this message right now, but I know you didn't hear me. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Look at what he now says. That is why. Go on. A man leaves his father and mother and is, and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. This is, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife but they and they become one flesh. The two shall become one. 
Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Now, can we pause here? We're going to come back here so I can explain it. But before I can go here, let's look at what Christ now says. Mark chapter 10. One day the Pharisees came to him, talking to him about the topic of divorce. Mark chapter 10, NIV, read from verse 1. Go on. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Yeah. Again, crowds of people came to him. And as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Is it lawful? Is it right? Is it good for a man to divorce his wife? You should know that I'm not talking about divorce. You should actually even know I'm not talking about husband and wife. He said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Look at Christ's response. What did Moses command you? Go on. They said, Moses permitted a man to... Did you see the word? Moses permitted. You know permission, yeah? Can be almost like an exception. It's not necessarily something open for everybody. But it's an exception for some. It's like I look at a child and says, I permit you to go to the shop. It does not mean generally you're permitted. He says, Moses permitted a man. COD, are you on and listening to me? Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Moses permitted who? A man. In every man, there's two. He permits. There's something permitted for a man, not for men. No. So there's a permission for your flesh. There's an exception for your flesh. Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Now look at what Christ said in response. Go on. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. God will trap you according to what is in your heart. It was because your hearts were hard. They were impenetrable. God's word could not reside there. There was no passion and love for God. So God had to create a permission for you. He allowed room for your flesh. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. Jesus replied, but at the beginning, we went to the beginning, how things were. Before man's, man's hearts were tainted or before man's heart was contaminated at the beginning of creation. That's why I took you to Genesis. God made them male and female. You see why I emphasize that? Man is incomplete unless there's a female to him. Oh God. So you would think I'm saying Pastor Obi's incomplete without a Pastor Ashley. No, that's a reflection of something deeper. That God did not make male in his image. He made male and female. The perfect image of God is two. The beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And it's for this reason what happens. He quoted what was in the beginning. Go on. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. And be united to his wife. So it's for this reason. What is the reason? 
that God made them. God made them. It's for that reason that a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. We're going to have to bounce between this, the two um, scriptures now. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one. So they are no longer two, but one flesh, yeah? Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So you're going to bounce between the two. Let's go back to Genesis 2. What was God saying to us there? The man said, this is now bone of my bones Mm. and flesh of my flesh. Mm. She shall be called woman. For she was taken out of man. Okay, so for you to understand this and me not drag this any longer, go to verse 18. I made you read it in the Amplified where it says that she is a counterpart. The house of helpers. The Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. You see, when we were reading this, you were not paying attention because you was reading it in the way you understand. Here's the question I want to now pose to you so that you can think about this scripture. Adam, or the man, was alone how and in respect to who? If we're following this in its order, who? Or what was Adam experienced loneliness too? Now, can we pause there and think for a moment? The Lord God made the man. The man has been made. The man is now alive and active. Never to have known a woman. Never to have known another human being. On what basis would he now experience loneliness? Because wherever he was, there was a lot of animals. Not only were there animals, but there was God. So why was he experiencing loneliness? Because for him to actually experience loneliness, yeah, he would have had to have known what it would be like with somebody. But according to the man formed, he has never known that. Do you understand where I'm going yet? Okay. I said to you that the problem about reading scripture, yeah, is when you try to use your limited mind to understand a God without limit. You see where it says it's not good for the man to be alone. The reason why I had to pose that question to tell you that that word alone, yeah, is non-existent, meaning that he couldn't have experienced loneliness because he has never known what it means to be with somebody. Loneliness is something that you would have known and then you were deprived of. So the word there does not mean alone. So you see, with that question, we have to find out what alone means. And guess what? In the Hebrew, alone, the word, the transliteration for alone is actually bad. Forget, you see now you're going to say bad means something not good. Uh -uh. Alone, or the word bad. So they translated or they transliterated alone from the word bad but what does it mean you see i told you that there's an issue with time in chapter two right god kept watching adam in his function 
in his work and realized there was a problem developing with Adam. Do you know what the problem was? Alone in the Hebrew actually means separation, not loneliness. Adam's heart was growing afar from God. The reason why the tree was planted there was to harvest what was happening. No, so I'm, go- I'm getting somewhere. It is not good for the man to be alone. God said it is not good for him to be growing separated from me. It was not that he was void of a woman because he had not known that. God said it's not good for man to be alone. When he said it's not good for man to be alone, he said it's not good for a man to be separated from me. So what does God have to do? What would be the solution to meet this problem? I will have to make a helper. You remember the other translation? A counterpart. Remember what Adam was. What Eve was. In his image, he created them. So before he was Adam or a man, oh God, I hope you hear me. Do you know what they were? Image bearers. They were the image of God. What was going to be a solution for the man whose heart was pulling away from God? What was the solution? Relationship. Relationship how? Again, please follow me. And I'm going to keep repeating this so you get this. Relationship was that God did not create a subordinate for him. God made Adam see another image of God. You see the thing about God walking in the garden is that sometimes he wasn't there. So when he wasn't there, there was something happening in the garden. Which chapter 3 then exposed to us that there was a serpent. The duty of Satan is to lead your heart astray. That's the duty of Satan. Only to lead you astray. Meaning that he don't have the power to do anything to you. Thank you, Dami. So, you see, the moment you've seen that, Dami, I know that there's some people that's hearing. God had to create a physical image of himself for him to be intimate with. To save him from a heart that is being being led astray. So, you see why I said forget time or don't try to limit God or this chapter to your timing? is because now someone will say, no, Eve was a bad person because she led him astray. No, this, we don't know if this whole story took a hundred years before he got there. Or if it was one day, we don't know. But the formation of the woman was so that there can be a physical representation of God because everything that Adam was surrounded with was things that did not look like God. Yes, there was animals, but they were not made in the image of God. So the more he interacted with it, it naturally led his heart astray. So God had to make from himself a physical image of God so that he can be intimate. He may know that in order for him to remain where he is, God, no. So let me try to say it like this. Eve was a revelation God was trying to say to Adam that it is intimacy with me that keeps you. Your heart will be led astray if you do not have 
an image of God to be intimate with. So why am I now speaking all of this to you? The helper is to help bring and keep commitment. Pastor Enrique spoke to the men the other day. And one of the biggest issues we found out with man, yeah? How could Adam tell that the other creations were not God? It was embedded in him. He knew who he was. He was the image of God. He knew who he was and he knew that this was not God. Now, going back to my point, Pastor Enrique was speaking about um, Jacob and Esau. But what was the main problem we found that separated them? Contentment. Yes or no? I hope you guys heard the word. Contentment. What am I trying to show you now? You see with um, with Adam, everything that was happening, yeah, was making him discontented. Because he was trying to find someone suitable to him. And in the quest of finding God, all he could see he was surrounded with was creations that did not bring back the image of God to him. No, do you understand what I'm saying to you? He was surrounded. God help you if you allow yourself to be surrounded with people that do not reflect to you the image of God because you must have a neighbor to you or you must have an entity to you that reminds you of God that will force you, in quote, force, in quote, you to remain intimate. So that's why Paul later said that I am not speaking about marriage. I'm speaking about Christ and his church because what God has to create for you and I is something that we can say, "Mm, this is me. What helps you to remain intimate? The work. I said to you yesterday that what I wanted to speak to you, and I said that's why I can't give many titles, but ultimately I wanted to use this to speak a word from the house of help. That what God was trying to establish was actually a work. He said it's not good for man to be without an image. It was not good for man to be without relationship. And what was going to make a man be without relationship? Man was created in a world That when you go on social media, you do not see the image of God. You see creation, but you don't see his image. You see all kinds of things. The words you hear, the music you hear, it does not reflect the image of God. So what God did to you is that he created a work out of you. So when you saw the nation family, you had not been there for years, but you knew by revelation that this was you. This is now bone of my bones. Why did the man say this is now? He was looking for what resembled him. And look, it is, imp- it is practically impossible for you to dwell amongst a world. So you see the problem with Lot was that Lot stayed in Sodom where there was no image of God. And he almost fell into the same destruction as them. What does God create for you and I? A work, an entity, a people. That is a counterpart, not a subordinate. They are not inferior. He creates something that would demand, your observation of it would demand intimacy with God. Because that's an image of God. 
Are you understanding what I'm saying? So the Bible says that once you recognize that this is you, it then goes on to say, read from this is now bone of my bones. Go on. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Yeah. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why. <laughs> Go it, on. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. You see this statement. It's divine. It is not marriage. Let me tell you why. Uh, let me tell you why. Me and Pastor Ashley are married. I can still go to my mom. She can still go to her mom. No. What was being said here was divine. Go back to Mark 10. Let's see when Christ said it as well. What would be the opposite? Uh, the, uh, what breeds discontentment? Your lack of commitment to something. Remember speaking to people and I was saying that, look, what is the battle that someone will face? What's the big, you know, it's when you get to certain places with life, you realize that discontentment is the biggest issue. You're not content with what God's given you. You know, Proverbs 20, verse 27 or 27 verse 20, one of the two, actually says that hell and, and death, paraphrasing, yeah, never sees enough but so does the eyes of a man he's always looking for something so what was leading adam's heart astray in the garden that he kept working but he could not find god what he didn't know is that it's god he's looking for but there was a configuration in him because the 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 formula or the setting that God said to man was be fruitful. For them to function, they must be intimate with something. But what they didn't know is that it's intimacy with God. So you see the man that goes around doing many things. You'll be asking, why can't you stop? It's a design of God. The problem is that they need a preacher to tell them that it's God you're looking for, not money. It's intimacy with God that will complete you. For we are made whole. We are complete in Christ. So look at how Christ said it. He says, for this reason, verse 7, go on. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. If you go to Ephesians 5, quickly go there as well. Because everything must be established by two or three witnesses. Why am I showing you this? So that you know it's not a saying. You see the problem is, it looks like a saying. We use it in our world now. Therefore, a man will leave his mother and, um, and father and be united to his wife. It become a very mundane saying. An empty saying. But void of understanding. Have you found the scripture, Ephesians 5? Go on, go there. Verse 1. No, go to, towards the end of the scripture. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husband. Jump to verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. I love it. So... 
I told you, the New Testament preacher explains. He says, this saying you've been hearing is not a saying. It's a mystery. Let me tell you a bit more. It's a coding. So let me help you. The man that God brings into core, they cannot help themselves but leave everything behind for it. Yeah, so you missed what I've just said to you. Let me repeat myself. This was not a saying. It was a coding for you to know the man and what has been produced out of him. So you see Pastor Toby, he cannot help himself. It's not that he chose to. He cannot help himself but to remove himself from what fathered and mothered him. And what does he do? He, is, he leaves his father and mother and he's united to his core. He's united to his counterpart. He's united to his help, the thing that demands his intimacy. He becomes one with it. It's a profound mystery. What am I trying to say to you? What God set up with Adam and Eve was a means for the man of core to remain committed. You see a husband, yeah? Again, listen to me. I'm not talking about husband and wife as the world knows it. It's a principle. It's an image. He is, he is um, he's not reputable. If the welfare and the upkeep of his household is not met. Adam was made. Eve was made. They complete each other. When Adam is about to fall, Ecclesiastes 4, go, go there and we'll end with that. When a man is about to fall, his counterpart helps him up. Oh, my days. So I have to speak about Peter, but I can't do it today for you to understand. What I said to you earlier that it's possible for someone to lose their position, but if one thing can be found, they can be reinstated. Peter fell, denied Christ. Three times he established that he didn't know him. But what helped him up? The core that said that upon you, I will build my church. God made something out of Peter. The church was made out of Peter's revelation and it was going to be his counterpart, the church, that will raise him back up. The core raised him back up, but there was something, but I won't go into it. Read Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return. No, no, go from verse 8, actually. There was a man all alone. Alone again. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. Yeah. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. His eyes were not content with what had been given to him. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one. Go on. Because they have a good return for their labor. Yeah. If either of them falls down. If either of them falls down, if the church seems as if it's crumbling, the man of core raises up his standard. It raises the church. 
if the man falls, if he is really connected to that call, the burden of that call will raise him up. So there were times, Pastor Obi, you were too distracted, down and out. But because this call was made from you, oh God, do you understand what I'm saying to you? The burden and the need for that call, that church, that wife to stay standing made you realize that, hey, it's time to rise up. It says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one. Pity the man without call because he will never stand up again. Pity the man that has been made separated but God did not find the need to create a counterpart for him. What makes you different from the person in the world? They don't have a call made from them. So when they fall, when they fall, what is the fall of a man? The separation of their heart from God. There's nothing to lift them back up. Let me tell you something. Did we, not, did we start youth revival without mistakes? Even while we were doing youth revival, we had mistakes that we couldn't speak. But guess what kept us going? Youth revival. The core, the counterpart made out of you that causes you to stand up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, will they keep warm? Yes. But how can one keep warm alone? God's call for intimacy, he's taken us. I told you that we're entering a new dimensional conversation. And everything begins with intimacy. And God does, you see, if someone now says, oh, I'm trying to be intimate, I'm trying to be intimate, but I'm being distracted, no, hear me. Now God says, let me speak to you out of the house of helpers. That I raise counterparts so that you can have something that keeps you intimate. So do you know what happened? Last night I was praying. And I thought to myself, yesterday I was praying when I went upstairs. I was praying and let me end with this. I thought to myself that earlier this year I made a comment that I know I didn't understand. And I said that, look, you know, I used to tell some people also, I said that, look, I need you to pray. You remember I kept saying that I heard, I believe that God kept saying, I need you to pray or I need you to do this. I need you to get serious. And he says, if you don't, I will make you. He actually said to me, and I said that to some people around me, that if you don't, I will make you have to pray. So now I look at our situation and all that has surrounded us, all that we are going through, and I realize all of a sudden there's this conversation of intimacy, and I get it. When I failed to get up myself, God raised the standard or the demand of my counterpart, which is the work. So the reason why I kept emphasizing male and female, male and female, and yesterday I said it's because when I started, you would think I went into feedback because I want to waste your time. No, I needed to remind you that the tablets were the works of God, not the work of man. What was also Eve, the work of God. God gives you a work that would demand your growth. So do you know why I said to you, don't worry about people who are not getting it. And this is a correction that God gave me. Why I had to give you 1 Timothy 4 verse 16 today. Deal with you. Respond to the call. I love that the Bible says 
to Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, work on your own development, meaning that he was called to a work and he was void of certain developments. He was void of certain skills. He was not brought into the work whole. But the demand of the work will require his development. That development would then help. You see, the, the, the commitment between the man and his wife, I hope you understand what I mean now, the commitment between an alakon and the work is what's going to help raise others. It's what's going to make increase come. So in case you're saying, I don't know how to be intimate, God created you a help, the work. The work itself will place a demand on you for your development. I want to end here, but I want you guys to remember everything I've said and the reason why I've had to be as slow and as repetitive and in some way as annoying as I've had to be this morning. To know that what God has made for you, what God has created, the nation family is your help. If you can just be intimate, and how do you remain intimate? You keep looking at it, and the whole world can say, what is this? What is this? You know, one day, Jesus, the work, said, who do people say that I am? There will be many people calling nation family all kinds of names, but it's if you get the revelation. I see this. This is the work of God. Do you remember what the work of God is? To believe in the one that God has sent. So I look at the nation family. I look at Pastor Toby and I understand that. It doesn't matter what people see it as. It's what I see it as. And my commitment, my intimacy can be Pastor Toby. And this is where I end. Pastor Toby now says to us, I need souls. I need souls for our hope service. Your engagement in that work is your intimacy. At the end of the month, knowing that there are financial targets, knowing that there will also be distractions because you will have your own things you want to do. But if COD can remain a, 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 a guerrilla camp that understands that irrespective of what comes my way, it's a must that I meet my financial targets. Because I believe what this will do. If I can stay focused on that, I said to, I think, Pastor Rike yesterday that the base target, people are waiting for targets on souls. I don't get it. I don't, I, maybe it's just the way I function. I just don't get it. Like, why are you waiting for me to talk? Am I the leader of this work? Pastor Toby is. He said it. So as others are still waiting for instructions, someone's coming to me saying that I've got 10, and 20, 10 to 20 souls registered. Now our problem of conversation is where are we going to house them? That's someone that's hearing no, so each household, COD, are you on with me? Because I need to know that you guys are hearing me. Each house from the house of helpers to the fortress to everyone, we should be doing at least the bare minimum of who already lives there, the number of people that lives there. We must say to ourselves that if we had a ground in the Midlands, how can we still call them in? That's what we're brainstorming in. Do we have to create videos of certain key individuals inviting? Because it's not just bringing people. It's now the caliber of people we're bringing in. Because we understand that things have leveled up in the nation. Are you somebody that is going to get to the 27th, 28th of this month and start saying things like, I don't know um, what happened to my seed. Things went wrong. You know those kind of people, they never had in mind seed. I sp one of the 
I hope it's true, but one of the, um, your sisters said that I couldn't go to this because it will make me have to go into my seed. And I was like, if that's your reason, that's proper. Because the person devoted to God will sometimes have to disappoint the appointments of men to meet the appointment of God. Because like I said to you, the season that we're in, the reason why we can spend two hours in the word in the morning, it's so inconvenient. It's so inconvenient. You'll rather say, okay, let's do evenings. Why are we speaking the word like this? There's a pressing in to an appointment. God says that, look, I want to send you out. But I made a comment yesterday that I said quickly and I knew people don't understand. God does not want me to be a cut off branch in the world. Because the world will gather that branch and send it into fire. No, God wants me to be a branch connected to the vine. That vine is on, is in the garden, but its branches reaches out to the world. So I am in the world, but connected to God. The Bible says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but protect them, keep them, keep them in me. So what is God saying to us simply, guys? COD, we have a drive. We have to understand this, that intimacy with God is perfected with you beholding the work made out of you. Every single person that's part of the nation is because there's something divine that connects you to the work. It's made out of you. Focus, contribute. That's your intimacy. And as we do that, as we say that, so I need people driving in the chat, souls. But I also need people that are not going to be ignorant and start waiting to the end of the month saying, I was hoping for this money to come through and month after month it never ever comes through. But still you pledge the same thing. You're joking. Remember what I said to you. It's when you are acquainted to God that you will make a vow and you will meet it. It's through your acquaintance. Intimacy. Let me end there. Enjoy your day. It's 12 o'clock. I needed us to spend this time I want you to think about these things. And if any way you see Esau in you trying to evolve, trying to resurface, how do you know Esau? How do you know if Esau, the flesh, is trying to resurface? You're seeing many things. You're giving strength to many things. And again, these things are not necessarily bad. They're just not good in the eyes of God. I love you all. Enjoy your day. Bye, guys.